Welcome to Maybe You're Interested, a weekly podcast where we discuss topics in culture, questions from scripture, or things that we just find humorous or interesting. This podcast is brought to you by Northview Church in Kodak, Tennessee, and you can reach out to us anytime by visiting our website at www.mynorthview.church. Thanks for joining us. And now, on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to Maybe You're Interested, a podcast of Northview Church. I'm Pastor Greg Rains, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jesse Kate here on my right, your left. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. How you doing, Jesse? Good. We are uh, going to the beach next week, so uh, I'm going to try to give you everything I have tonight, but it might be a little bit on cruise control. So, well, That won't be the first time. <laughs> and joined on my left once again by Mr. Zavin Greg. Hello, Zavin. How you doing? Doing really well. Awesome. You missed last week. Why'd you miss last week? I was week? at the beach last week. <laughs> yeah, Megan hated you because she had to <laughs> yeah. be on last week's episode. I'm she sure was... it went better than when I was on here. Oh, it definitely did, but <laughs> she did not want to do it. But anyways, we were glad that she joined us, but we're glad to have you back. So welcome back, Zavin. Uh, I think this is what, your third episode? With it? Oh, it's just the second? Yeah, mm-hmm. huh. I think that's right. Well, maybe you won't bomb this week. Ah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that. Maybe, maybe you won't say anything to embarrass your parents. Okay, so I didn't really know what purple haze was. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I figured in my mind what it was, but it came out something different. So yeah, uh huh. Just for anyone who who watched that, um, <laughs> they do not do that anyway. So let's jump in to this week's uh, topic. This week's topic, we're going to talk about the church, and uh, the question we've got for this week is. Is today's church really representative of what God's plan for the church is? Um, So just to kind of dig into that, so we're all on the same page. What is the church? What's the purpose? I'll see you. This is a question. (laughs) For those of you listening and not watching, they're just staring at me right now. Well, we've got to get the rhythm going. We, I guess I'll go first, and then we can kind of bounce go. back and forth That'll from work. there. So uh, I think um, the purpose of the church is uh, to lead people to Christ, and um, whether that be through our actions or us meeting, um, but to lead people to Christ and also give us as Christians a place to fellowship together and pour into one another um, and be able to strengthen our relationship with God through that. So that's kind of a broad answer that I would, that's kind of how I would describe it. All right. How about you? How would you define the church? What's the purpose? I think the purpose of the church is, like he said, he, a lot of the points, like Jesse said, it's kind of a broad answer. Yeah. But uh, I think that the purpose of the church is to be able to go out into the communities, to be give the community something to lean on to and to lead people to Christ, as Jesse said. But not just lead them to Christ, but to help teach them and help grow them in that direction. And because I think a lot of the times, like like me especially, when I got saved, I knew nothing of what to do next. And I think that being involved in a church that's doing what they're supposed to and teaching you, it helps you understand a lot more scripturally. It helps you understand more about your walk with God and understand more about what you're supposed to do from that step. So maybe one day you could teach somebody else that same thing. Yeah. And it's that's I think and like he said too, it gives us a place to come where 
right now the world especially in today i mean from the last time i was here we talked about it but the world today is very hostile toward a lot of christians and the christian beliefs yeah. and i think knowing that there's people that you can surround yourself with knowing that there's others that believe the same way as you yeah and that you all can come together and learn together grow together and just be around each other that's a I think that's another purpose is to give it kind of a safe haven for believers to come together. And probably a lot of shared experiences in that group, too, like you were saying, with the world that we're living in. um, You know, you're probably going through something that I've been through, or Greg, you know, you may be going through something that somebody else has been through. So um, we can really lean on each other that way, and I think that's a really good purpose. Um, I think you alluded to this, but what about discipleship? Where does that fall as far as the purpose of the church? I think that's the main point of the purpose of the church is to go out and to be able to teach people, to teach other Christians or new Christians. Because, like I said earlier, I've I was one of them, but I've seen it throughout my life too. Of I've always wondered what's supposed to happen after you get saved. Like, what is watching somebody get saved and then you never see them again because you don't go to the church or you're not in their community. Like, what is supposed to happen from that point? And I think that's when the church is supposed to take over and to come in and just to be able to teach them what to do, how to do it, how to read your Bible, how to understand certain situations, certain topics in the Bible, how to be able to discern certain scenarios or different things in their life, to be able to help them understand what it means to live a godly life, to live righteous, to be able just to just to be able to pour into them and hopefully for them to have the purpose to go out and do the same thing eventually mm. is to be able to pour into somebody else. Yeah. Well, Jesse, do you have an example of as you were growing up? Because you grew up in the church. You've pretty mm-hmm. much been in your whole life, right? Yep, I have. Do you think as you grew up what your experiences in the church, were they representative of what the church should look like? Um, I, I think that I've been, uh, I've been very lucky in my life to have uh, been involved with some really good churches. Um, and I've got to thank my mom and dad for that because I, I couldn't have made those decisions when I was that, that young. But you're involved with the best one now, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah top, okay. yeah. Just top checking. notch. Just check Top notch. Um, I think to Zavin's point, um, and I don't mean to jump ahead here, but, um, kind of where we fall short. Um, I think a lot of churches put so much emphasis on, winning souls for christ and that is of the utmost importance i don't mean to uh, mitigate that in any way that is huge but what do you do next and i think that that's an area where in the church specifically i think that we do a very bad job of explaining people or explaining to people what that discipleship process looks like um you know i've been uh you know churches really don't do this anymore but i remember when i was young pretty vividly and and i was actually saved at a revival but um we had a revival once a year at the church that i grew up in not mount harmony but um pleasant grove piney baptist church and um there was so much emphasis on winning souls for christ and not that that's not just a great thing and and a, a great experience but then it just left these people wondering okay what do i do next or, or what's the next steps for me in my walk of faith so yeah how about you you grew up in the church, too, around ministry with your dad being in uh, serving in ministry roles pretty much your whole life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that your church experiences reflect what you believe or what you understand uh, the church should look like to be representative of God's plan? In a lot of ways, in a lot of aspects, yes. Like I, I've, Like you said, I've been in church a long time, so 
I've seen them. I've seen the love portion for people that come in struggling with issues and stuff, and the church kind of surrounding that person and loving on them. I've seen, like Jesse said, where they help lead them to Christ and teach them about Christ, and then get them to that step to where they give their life over to Christ. And then after that, that's the point that I've never really understood is, and that I don't think I think like a lot of churches come short of is that next step. And I also think that. A lot of the churches I've been in, I can think of one that I went and visited, and it was because the church I was at currently, our youth had like a little like, it's kind of like a praise choir singing yeah. thing that we we just got together and we'd go sing with, we had younger kids, older kids, whatever. And we went to a church down in downtown Knoxville, and I remember going in there, and that's a it's a very, very poor community, and there's a lot of people down there that are struggling with whether it's financial uh, financials, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's just being homeless. And I remember walking in there and the service was going on. And I remember watching the people that I knew that were members of that church. It was a packed house. They were standing like in the back, like no, there wasn't enough places to sit. But I watched the people that I knew were members of that church go around and just talk to these people and be around these people, and then they took them outside after the service, and they fed them. And I'm like, that, I think, is another aspect that a lot of the churches that I've been to and a lot of the churches that I've heard of, they kind of miss out on is we sometimes get so focused on bringing them in and bringing them into the four walls, giving them Jesus, and then sending them out that we forget that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't go, here, I'm Jesus Christ, I'm the Son of God, come to me. He went out to them he went into their communities into their world and i think that that's a place where a lot of churches miss is we get so caught up with what's going on in here inside the four walls or inside of that little group that we don't worry about this outside stuff and i think that's part of what we're supposed to do as christians and as a church is we're supposed to go out into that community and be an impact in that community not necessarily for us but to show them jesus to show them the love to show them the service to show them the just the pat, like just the love that we're supposed to, and I think that that's a point that I think a lot of churches miss out on too. Is I mean, we think that mission work and stuff is, and don't get me wrong, it's great that there's missionaries and there's people that go to Guatemala or Mexico or other countries or other sides of the state, but the local church is there for the fact of impacting that community yeah. and figuring out what that community needs, and then that creates the global church because it's all little communities coming together but so how do we walk that that line between um focusing on the people in the church because i think it's important we we need to take care of our people Mm -hmm. but still having that focus outside the church because it seems that most churches as we talk about where we fall short um get one of those right but usually not both um, there are churches that are great at reaching to their community. There's churches that are great at um, ministering to the people inside the church, the church members, um, for lack of a better way of saying it. But most people struggle getting both of those. Yeah. How do we how do we find that balance? What should that look like as a church? I think whenever I think of that, so much of it to me is discipleship, and um, we've been through, I I forget the book that we read whenever we did our uh, grow group, Um, 
what was it? Robbie Gallaty growing up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, but um, I think I think so much of it is through discipleship. Um, for me, if you give people and equip people with the tools to get a deeper relationship with God um, and have a deep, deep enough relationship where they feel comfortable sharing their faith and doing those things, then at that point – the fruits of the spirit are not i mean they're just going to come out in their life i mean people are going to be able to see that in their day-to-day life um and that can impact real change because those are things of god going out into the community um so i think for me i I think an emphasis needs to be put on discipleship inside the church and and when i say inside the church i don't necessarily mean within these four walls Um, it can be in a grow group a life group um, where you're outside of the walls and doing things like that but I think whenever I can tell a difference in my life, whenever I'm spending intentional time in God's word and intentional time in prayer and intentional time in worship, um, I can see throughout my life those things that kind of manifest out of that. And I'm a better person to be around. I mean, you could ask Megan or you could probably ask Ellie at this point too. I'm probably not as quick to snap <laughs> on her on some things. But um, I just think that if if we as a church – pour into our members or our partners, whatever you want to call them, I think that they can't help but to show those fruits of the Spirit that will come out. So would you say— And that would affect the community yeah. because of that. So. Most churches in America are programmatic churches. Mm-hmm. We're, we're driven by uh, a Sunday morning program, a youth program, a children's program, a vacation Bible school program. <coughs> then they'll throw on top of it an evangelism program and all, all these different— programs you know if i'm understanding your thoughts on it and you can correct me if i'm wrong i will yeah i know uh (laughs) if i'm understanding what you're saying it it may be better to step back from programs not that we don't do them but we we don't emphasize them as well and we more focus on like on an outreach program maybe you don't do an outreach program you equip each person and they because you're equipping them through discipleship Mm -hmm. they just naturally are the hands and feet of the church. I th- I think ideally, and now, let me say this too, this isn't a perfect world. We're not perfect people. Um, we're never going to live up to the standards of God. Um, but I think in an ideal world, that is what would happen. And I think that that is the design because the Holy Spirit lives within us. So that's a part of God that is showing out throughout us and should be showing throughout our lives. We shouldn't hide that in anything that we do. Um, I'm a part of a small group um, that I've uh, done with a couple of guys at work here uh, these past couple of weeks. And um, one of the guys uh, just recommitted his life uh, to Jesus a couple of weekends ago, and he is on fire for God right now. Everything that he does, you can see the Spirit working in him. And I just feel like, excuse me, I feel like that should be what our lives as Christians look like. And I think that if we as a church – are very intentional about that discipleship process and very intentional on telling people, okay, here is here are the next steps that you need to take to grow in your faith with God and to grow in your faith. Um, I, I think that the I think that that would take care of itself. I think if people have the relationship that they need to have with God, I think that because of the fruits of the Spirit that are going to come out in their lives, I think that that will handle itself, like you said. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, think about it. Think about it in a little deeper than that. So yeah. you've got, say you got 20 members in a church, mm-hmm. and you pour into those 20 members and you disciple those 20 members. Part of that is service. Part of that is going out and 
living a life like Christ. Those 20 people, so you've got three of them that work in government jobs that deal with the community on a major scale. You've got three or four people that work just hometown jobs or own maybe a store or something, a little mom and pop shop, and they see people all the time come in there. When you equip those people, like he was talking about, with discipleship and teach them like, the way that you're supposed to be, the the way to become a disciple, they're going to be the ones in the community. And then eventually, in a perfect world, and if you're doing it right, those people will come to the church and be like, listen, I met this family that really needs this, like yeah. needs whether it's financial support or needs food or needs they don't or they're not able to give gifts to their kids for Christmas or maybe we just really need to pray for these this family they'll be the ones that will be bringing the bringing in all that the mission work and all the stuff the programs that you were talking about if if we step back from those and focus on the people those people will bring us stuff to have the programs for is whether it's programs or whether it's just to go and help and then that's this church being involved in that community because the not only are the members involved but now they're bringing it to the big massive the congregation, the big picture, and now we can do something with that. Yeah. Can I say something really quick? Of course. I know can. that I said I'm going on vacation and I'm phoning it in, but um, this is one thing, um, and it made me think of it whenever Zavin was talking about it there. But I think um, the attitude behind that needs to be, and this is something that um, I've really noticed in, in mine and Megan's life here recently. Um, we we feel like we were very blessed. Um, during the whole house hunt process and selling our home and doing those different things, um, God just put everything into place for us. And we feel like, I feel like especially for me, it was eye-opening because, you know, you always hear God is bigger than this or God is bigger than that. God is bigger than everything that we have in our day-to-day lives. And whenever I lead a God-centered life and let God be at the center of my life, I think where we struggle as Christians and as a church, we try to box God in to a Sunday morning service. And then we have another part of our life, our work part. Then we have our home part. What if we just had God at the center and let everything branch out from there? And I think that's the point is we want to live God-centered lives and I'm gonna fall short of that. Everybody at this table is gonna fall short of that sometimes. Sorry to talk for you guys. But <laughs> but that's the truth, um, yeah. and, and I just think you know that was this past couple of months has been so eye opening for me because the God we serve is is just such a big God and He can't be boxed in by anything. So I, I just had that thought. Sorry. So it sounds like um, when we talk about that question, where are we falling short? You mentioned early on in that question um, that we just stop at evangelism basically we share mm-hmm. the gospel and we never go any further so it really sounds like your all's opinion is that we fall short with discipleship would that's you what say i say yes to that was that yeah. what you agree yeah. with i'd agree with it i would agree with that too i think um i mean i i would guess if i i think i've asked you this before i'm not sure if i've asked you but have, have y'all ever been personally discipled through your life i don't think you had yes you have yeah well you're one of the few um, I, I mean, maybe not personally. I was thinking of our grow group that we did. Oh, I'm talking about before that. Okay, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, I was not either um, until I was in my mid-20s, uh, a guy at our former church. It wasn't even something that the church did um, as a program. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't have a plan for it, really, but he just came up to me and asked if I wanted to be discipled. And I'm like, 
Sure. <laughs> you know what you're getting yourself didn't into, know. did you? And it, yeah. I'm like, what's this look like? And he's like, I'm going to come to your house every week. We're going to sit down and talk for two hours. And <laughs> You wonder what you did we're wrong. Gonna, we're going to do this for about six months. I'm yeah. like, all right. Um, so, yeah, we went through that, and I learned so much from him. And uh, I'm not in contact with him now. I, I, I need to reach out to him and just tell him how much that that impacted me and my ministry philosophy by seeing when you do take that extra step. Because you're right. We lead people to Christ through all these programs that we do, but we never show them how to follow Jesus. And I think that that is a very important thing, too. I I don't mean to minimize evangelism in any way. They've got to work hand in hand. Exactly, yeah. They've got to work better together. What is your opinion on that? Where where do you think that we fall short as a church? Uh, I think discipleship is probably... If not number one on the list, I, mean, I think it is number one on the list. I think that's where where we miss it. Um, because then we, I mean, the next question on the list, what are we getting right? And when I say the church, I'm not talking just about Northview Church. We're yeah. talking about the church in America. I don't know a whole lot about the global church um, outside of our culture. But the church in America, I think we fall short on discipleship primarily. What are we getting right, you know? Not everything is is bad in the church. No. You know, we Mm-mm. we get things right, and I think the church does some great things. So, what do you think we're getting right? I think, that, and obviously, you know, this is just kind of the flip side of the discipleship uh, conversation that we had. I think on the evangelism side, I think that there are a lot of things uh, that we're doing right. I think that we're sharing the message in the right way. Um, and again, I can't speak for every church. Um, I can speak for the churches that I've had experience with. I just think um, I think there's just a lot of room for improvement on both, and I, and I think that the church has changed so much in the last fifty years, um, you know, and that's in large part due to the society that we live in, and um, the value of church has gone down. People um, are a lot more concerned with uh, getting to ball tournaments and different things throughout the week, and um, so I, I think that the church has had to rethink a lot of the ways that we do things. Um, you know, like for us, we don't have your typical Sunday school that all churches have and all churches had when I grew up. And I'm sure when you grew up since you're older, um, I don't know about Zavin, <laughs> but so we've kind of, uh, <clears throat> we've kind of moved that into a life group where we meet throughout the week and, and get that done in a different way. So I think that the church has done a good job too, of navigating what church looks like in a time like this. But, um, those are just a couple of things I thought of. Yeah. I think that kind of going off what Jesse said is I think there's a excluding a few churches that I've been to but there's been a lot of them that I have been to that got this part right is the idea of family the idea of that it's that we're in this not just to see each other on Sundays and have a good time that it's like family for example the last church that just recently came from we had a college and career group and it started off it was kind of awkward because a few people knew each other I knew maybe two people out of five of them, and it started off on a group of, I think yeah. it was five people at once, and it grew to about a group of, I think it grew to about a group of 12 people. Well, that group is no longer together. Like, the college and career group there is no longer there. But we still keep in contact with each other. We're That's still awesome. very good friends. We're still very close. And I've watched that, and kind of like what you were talking about with life groups, is it's not just a we meet on a Sunday or we meet on a Wednesday, it's 
we meet on Sunday, we meet on Wednesday, but maybe we'll go grab a bite to eat during the week, or maybe we're just checking up on each other just to see how each other's doing. And sometimes even like for this example, I mean, it's been four years since that group started. And I can tell you that majority of the people that were in it, we're all still really close and we're all still around each other and we're all still involved in each other's lives. And I think the sense of family is something that the church is getting right today is that it's not just, we're not just a bunch of strangers that we grow to love each other on a godly level. And like I said, excluding some places, but (laughs) there's, there's always those outliers. But I think that's a really good example. I think that was a really good one. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that there's a lot of stuff that the church gets right. You know, I, I think um, the family aspect, a lot of churches get that right. If you look at the church as a whole across denominations, um, most denominations are good at that. You know, we're good at environments where most people will feel like they're welcomed there. Yeah. Um, they may not feel like they're welcomed coming in at the beginning because of poor messaging um, on the front end that they've heard about our stances on things. But when they get there, for the most part, um, most people feel welcomed in most churches. So I think we're, as a whole, I think the church is very, very good at that. And that's probably, um, that's probably the best thing that the church is good at, is creating some sense of community and some yeah. sense of belonging. Um, Can I share something about that? So absolutely. One thing I've always thought about when it comes to that aspect of family is I think that that's the best representation of the intent of God's love for us is because I've had (laughs) talking about that group that I'd mentioned a few minutes ago was we are all totally different people. (laughs) We have totally different views. We have totally different lives, totally different places in life. And it's crazy sometimes to people on the outside because outside these four walls, I mean, some people have groups of friends that they share a lot of stuff in common with. Some people have, groups that they hang out with that share interests or jobs or hobbies or like different uh, places in life and they share that but I think that the beautiful thing about the church family that's the way I'll say it is the church family is when they come in the door they see there's all these different people from all these different places in life that all don't all feel the same way about everything but love to be around one another and I said and I think that that's what God's intent is is that's how he shows the love to other people is it shows that no you don't fit in but that's the point yeah. is it's the point of you're not just like everybody else and but with god involved that there's that love there yeah. i think that that's just a beautiful thing yeah i think that that's like you said i think that's we talked about that discipleships is the number one thing we're falling short on that churches are falling short on i feel like the number one thing that we're getting right is the idea of family yeah. the idea of love that's not a bad place to be. I mean, we have some work to do on, on the discipleship aspect of it, um, but I think that that is increasingly becoming um, apparent to most churches around our community, at least, and, and in our denomination of the Southern Baptist Convention. That is uh, something that people talk about a lot in church leadership. So I think it's trending in that direction. Hopefully it won't trend that way in sacrifice of the good that we do in community and creating family. But if we step back from that, um, and we've just barely scratched the surface on these, we could talk about this for weeks. Yeah. Um, And we just look at this idea of the church as a whole in America. Is it a reflection of a biblical God 
or is it a reflection of a cultural idea of God? Hmm. I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. I Go think. for it. Yeah. If you get too deep, we'll edit. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so I believe that the church as a whole in America, not specifically Northview Church or really any church around here, but the church as a whole in America is a reflection of a cultural idea of God. I think that churches nowadays are taking very, and just in general, um, I think churches nowadays are taking very soft stances where you need to um, kind of draw a hard line. Um, I think that I think that some churches bend on things that shouldn't be bent on, mm-hmm. um, and I think. I think a lot of churches in America specifically, and I guess really what I'm referring to is almost like a religion of morality um, where they think it's just about, okay, well, I did what's morally right. Um, I'm good. You know, that's fine. And I think that while morality is a very good thing to have and, and, you know, that that does play into Christianity, um, that's not always the end-all, be-all. And I think that there are things that we as Christians can love people through and um, care for them through, but that we need to stand up for our beliefs and say, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it. That doesn't mean that I don't love you, um, and it doesn't mean that I don't care for you, but I can't I can't let you get away without, you know, kind of telling you yeah. the right thing. I um, agree with that largely. I, I think it's two extremes. I don't think there's a happy medium on this. I think primarily um, churches tend to fall where they're soft-pedaling on these things, kind of like the topics that are the hot button topics in culture, um, abortion, LGBTQ stuff. Yeah. We talked about women in ministry last week. Boy, that was Megan uh, was pumped. Yeah, probably shouldn't have brought that one up again, actually. <laughs> but anyways, um, that gets soft pedaled where we begin to kind of try to find gray areas in it. Yeah. Or there's such a hard line taken that there's no love and no grace yeah. for anyone in the in hot cultural topics it's just debates arguments yeah 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 and i didn't i guess whenever i said should take a hard line that's not what i I understand what you mean um there is a line of truth that you do not uh in my opinion and and you all call me out uh, as leaders in the church if i if we if you ever see me not taking the hard line. There is a hard line on moral issues. If it's black and white in the Bible, it's black and white to us. Yeah. But just because there's a hard line that we do not cross does not mean that we don't still love those people and yeah. they're still welcome no matter what area of what we would consider a sinful area of life they're involved in. Yeah. They are still welcome in the in the in this church. We still want to worship with them and and do life with them. You know, the issue comes when when they may want to join the church and, and become part of our fellowship of believers sure. here. Then, then there are things we got to talk about. But taking a hard line or soft pedaling, where's the middle ground? How do we get there? Is there middle ground, or is it just take the hard line and that's it? I think you got to go back to. I mean, this is going to sound like a very very churchy answer but i think you got to take it back to just jesus and the way that he lived because i think that he is the best example to show 
when you've gone too far when you're not doing enough i think that jesus rode that that middle line the whole way through i mean you never hear jesus scaring off anybody or making anybody mad because of the way that he believes or the way that he stands but you also don't see him just sitting back and just saying go ahead do what you want to do go ahead and continue right. living your lives and go on with it he took this stance of where he showed them love mm-hmm. he showed them that he cared about them and why he was why he took the stance that he did and he said that it's because i love you that i'm telling you this stuff it's exactly. because i love you that's why i'm taking the stand that i am because if i'm not i'm not really loving you i'm not mm-hmm. really showing that i care and <clears throat> I think that that's the stance that the church has to have is that we're not doing it because we're mad because people, I mean, even like you said in today's world where sin is being glorified in a lot of different ways, I think that we can take it on so aggressively, but on an individual basis or even on a, on a, like a national basis, we're supposed to love continually. And I think that showing them and saying, listen, you, they, the, the world already knows our beliefs. The, this country, the people in it, already know how Christians feel. I mean, we were founded on a version of Christianity. It's the way that it was. That they know how we feel about a lot of different things. Yeah. So they don't. It's not like we don't have to keep feeding that. They already know how we feel. But it's the feeling of knowing that we're not doing it just to tell them that we're right and you're wrong. It's the fact of we're telling you that we love you and we want you to do better. We want you to go this way because this way will help you this way will teach you this way leads you to a life everlasting and i i know that's a very churchy answer in my mind but it's just i think that that's the way that the church is supposed to handle these situations and not just like i mentioned earlier getting debates and getting arguments because those never go anywhere even if you end up proving your point if it goes the way that it, it normally does it usually ends up in anger or resentment or just, I, I can't talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, increasingly, the number of non-churched in the U.S. is rising. And if I, if I remember correctly, the latest statistic um, is that less than 50% of Americans would now consider themselves as church individuals. Uh, and if, I'm pretty sure that's right. It might be a certain age group that it might be just the the younger generation that classifies themselves that way but it's the first time in history that it's ever felt fallen below 50 percent um so you can say that this this country is no longer majority christian um even though like you say it was maybe founded on christian principles maybe the church has been the center of of life in many communities for generations you can't say that anymore so why do you think that people, especially in the younger generation who aren't as traditional, um, why do you think they're seeing less value in the church than in prior generations? I was listening to a podcast today, and it was, uh, I think it was Craig Groeschel. I might have been listening to a different one, but I'm pretty sure. Was it maybe you're interested? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's this one. He doesn't even know what podcast he's on right now. No, I knew what it was. (laughs) But there was a quote in there, and it was talking about if you want to raise rebellious kids, dang it, if you want to raise rebellious <laughs> kids, the best way to do it is to live a life that is hypocritical, mm-hmm. meaning 
you say one thing, you teach one thing, but you live differently. You want your kid to grow up raised to be a Christian or raised to be strong in Christ. Everything that you teach them, you're supposed to teach them, but live it out the same way. And I think that, and it's going to sound very aggressive, but I mean, I'm a part of the church. I feel like I can be honest with it is the reason that the numbers are, are dying off is because the church has become a very hypocritical thing. The people outside of these walls see us preaching, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, no need to, don't sin, don't don't go out and get drunk, don't go out and commit these other sins, don't commit adultery, don't do all of this, but then they see us do the same exact thing. Yeah. Or they see us, like you said earlier, talking about morality. We've got great morals, we've got great principles, and they. Yeah. I've watched plenty of uh, videos and stuff of non-Christians coming in confrontations with other Christians and their thing that what they say is they said Jesus is a great teacher in the sense of he has great moral teachings but that doesn't but there's more to it than that and that's the part where we teach that that it's a lifestyle and I think that the reason that the numbers in the church is dropping and the reason that the younger generation same thing with the kid with the parent is I think that the church is looked at very hypocritical because for years I think that we preached one thing and it ran a totally different direction. Yeah. I think that is definitely an element of it. How about you? What you got? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I think that's on us. I think it's on us as a church. I think that um, you know, so there's 50 or below 50% of people that say that they were churched. I bet 100% of those people have had a bad experience at church at one point in time. Or with church people. Yeah, or with church people. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like um, – you know, a lot of people, rightly or wrongly, they don't give us a second chance whenever uh, whenever something like that happens. And, um, you know, I've said it, I say it, I feel like, every podcast, and I've already said it this time, but we're not perfect, and we're going to make mistakes. Um, we're human, and that's going to happen. Um, I, I think, to speak to Zavin's point, yes, there is some hypocrisy, and, and I understand that. Um, I, I think that... Um, just the breakdown i'd be curious to see too like what the divorce rate is just with that because in the church yeah it's pretty pretty much the exact same thing as it is outside and that used to not be the case correct and i understand that there are extenuating circumstances for everything that happens um but um i will say that you know whenever families are breaking apart in the church i think a lot of times you see um and to zavin's point i'm charged as a man and as a leader of my household Whenever I go home, I need Megan and I need Ellie and I need our baby whenever it gets here um, to see that, okay, what my dad does on Sunday, he is also doing on Tuesday. He's also doing on Thursday. And I I think that um, just a lack of leadership in the home has really attributed to that as well. But um, my two things would be everybody's had a bad experience with the church or with a church member and then lack of leadership in the home i think yeah i think those are both valid points i believe the hypocrisy is a valid point i narrowed it down in my own thoughts to i think as a church as a whole we have really poor messaging on things um you've heard me say it before and it's not original to me i've heard other pastors say this the world knows what we hate but how often do we tell them what what we stand for And in Jesus, um, they know the things that we think are sinful, but we point out the things that are sinful that aren't happening in the church, and then we water down the things that do happen in the church. And we're okay with our own sins as long as, you know, 
the other sins don't come through the doors. Yeah. We're terrible at messaging um, uh, as a whole, not all churches, but as a whole. And as a result of that, uh, the, the message often gets watered down. We talked about that a little bit earlier where it's kind of a watered down gospel to where um, to get people in the door, we try to say, well, your lifestyle's okay. That's between you and the Lord. To an extent, there's truth in that, sure. um, but as I, I mentioned earlier, the problem comes when they really try to get involved in the church, and then they fall under church leadership, and people need to understand what the gospel says and what scripture says. So I think they see poor messaging, and they see a watered-down gospel. I don't think people want it watered down. I, I think, especially the younger generation, I think they're, they know when you're lying to them, yeah. or they not lying strong, I guess. They know when you're you're not just feeding them truth. I think they can read it better than any generation has before because they are blasted with messages from everything all the time. Um, social media, television, radio, podcasts, whatever they do on the internet, in their schools, from their friends. I mean, they are just blasted with messaging all day. We mess up the message. They don't want it watered down. They don't want it too harsh either. They want truth in love is how I believe it is. And then I think one of the biggest things, and not all churches do this, but the ones that have have given us all a bad name, churches are too involved in politics. Yeah, I agree. Um, And if if your politics don't line up with that church's politics, you're not going to that church, period. Um. I, I want to see a church that has, I mean, our church politically, I would guess most people lean conservative, but I don't know what, what it is. I know we have people who are liberal on the political side in this church, and I love that. Yeah. We need those opinions. I may disagree with a lot of opinions on both sides, um, but when we get so ingrained in the messaging on politics, it just pushes people away. Yeah, it's a very divisive tool. Yeah. So I think I don't think we can point to one thing um, that's causing it, but I think we can point to one thing that'll fix it, and that's if we focus everything back to the gospel, and not just you mentioned it earlier, not just pointing it out and saying this is how you get saved. Once you get saved, you're good. Showing them how to live to follow Jesus. And what value there is in that, yeah. and not just following these rules—that it's a better way of life. That when it's not about you, there's just joy in that. Yeah. I can't explain that other than that's how we were designed. Um. So as we wrap it up, anybody got anything to add to that, real quick? Not that I can think no, of. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up by hitting back to the main question. And let's get each let's get your opinions on that. Is today's church really representative of God's plan for the church? What's your thoughts, David? I think we're on the right track somewhat, but I think we still got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Valid? What's your thoughts? I agree with Saban. Uh I think that we're we're on the right track and, and doing some good things, but I don't think we're all the way there yet. Yeah. I would agree. I thought y'all would go the opposite direction on that. Um, Didn't think we were all going to agree on that. I believe that today's church is representative of God's plan for the church, but we're not perfect. 
Um, we have a lot of things that we get wrong. But God designed the church around being led by human beings. So he knew we were going to get a lot of things wrong yeah. <laughs> because that's just human nature. We don't get everything right because we're self-centered people who are hypocritical and who do try to water things down to please people or take a hard line on things because we just want to know we're right. Yeah. Um, but as a whole, I think the church is representative of God's plan because I believe we talked about family mm-hmm. and how the church gives that sense of community. Um, we've talked about how churches do well in discipleship. Most of them don't do both. But I think God's plan for the church was, well, we know what the the Great Commission is, go and make disciples. Yeah. Um, we know the example of the early church in Acts chapter 2 where they spent time fellowshipping together, studying the Word together, listening to, to the teaching of the apostles together. Yeah. And... Um, and then they helped each other. And then Jesus talked about, I think it's John 13, I think, where he talked about, I give you this new command, love one another, and yeah. that's how everyone's going to know. I think the church is pretty good at loving each other Yeah. Um, in the church. I think the, the thing we've got to work on is the discipleship and getting outside the church and showing people that we love them and we don't hate them just because they disagree with us. Yeah. So. Last thoughts. Uh, well, my last thought is for anybody watching uh, the podcast today, I'm so, I didn't get the red shirt text message. <laughs> so aesthetically, I apologize for that. Um, but no, I think that this has been really good. I think you're right, Greg. I think that uh, we could probably sit here and talk about this for a really long time. And I think yeah. that this is, um, I, I think these are good conversations to have for us as a church because out of this, hopefully we can grow and be yeah. better. I hope so, too. You got anything to, to close with there, Zavin? No, not really. But uh, I do have something I kind of want to share. Go for it. So I'll make it short and sweet. So there's a gentleman who I know needs prayer right now, and his family needs prayer right now. Uh, it's been all over Facebook and stuff. It's in the community. His name's Tucker Green. Uh, he was in a bad car accident, and I was involved in it. And I came in here very, very full and very happy and very full of the spirit because it was a bad, bad accident. And he was not in the best shape four days ago. I said, but so life is very fragile and it's very short and can be taken away in an instant. But the crazy thing is, is is God's way more powerful than that. And. I just kind of, I want to give a praise and I want to ask for prayer for him too because I want to give the praise because in four days he's now out of the ICU and he's in his own regular room now and I'm like that's something that absolutely just blew my mind to see that how powerful our God really is yeah. and so just be praying for him and his family that in the recovery process from here on out and I don't know the why we may never know the why and. But there's always a reason for things happening yeah. in God's plan. But He knows the why. He knows the why. Exactly. You know, just as we close, the seeing what's happened in that situation, I, I, I don't know him personally. I have met him, and I know his mom um, from where she was working at the school, and I was in, involved with that a little bit. Um, seeing the community come around him and the churches that have come around out of that community, that's what we're talking about today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what the church is about. It, it's not about um, 
the political aspects that we hear about a church. It's not about all these things. It's about loving each other, pointing them to Jesus, and helping each other through the hard times. And I think that the community um, of Carter, where you know the community right adjacent to us, I think they have done a stellar job of reaching out and praying over that family and being there for them and helping them out. So, um, so yeah, if you are a, a believer and you're involved in a church, I, I hope that. Um, you don't look at your church and get discouraged, especially if it's Northview Church. <laughs> no, but really, we can point out all day long the flaws of the church, and it will never be perfect. Uh, there are flaws in the church. There will always be flaws in the church, but I believe that the church as a whole is focused on the mission. We don't all agree, each congregation around this country, even within our own denomination. We disagree on things. But really, as long as we agree on the gospel, we, we agree on how you get to restore yourself, not restore yourself, but be restored by God to a relationship to him. That's really the most important thing. Okay. So if I give, if, if there's any church leaders listening to this, uh, if I give any advice, it would be stay the course and, and don't be afraid to find your flaws, whether it's in discipleship, fellowship, whatever it may be, and work on those. But just always keep pointing people back to the gospel. And, uh, and, and I think we'll be okay. We know from Scripture that the church uh, is the mission, um, the spear of the mission that, that God has put us out there to make disciples. And nothing will ever prevail against the church. That's all I got. Thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, next week, we will not have a, a, a new episode. We're going to share with you a uh, one of our older episodes as kind of our greatest hit. Awesome. There's not a whole lot to choose I, from. I probably wasn't hits. on it then. Yeah, you definitely weren't on it if it was the greatest hit. <laughs> now, just kidding. We're going to dig into our archives next week since it's Memorial Day week and uh, let you uh, come back and, and listen to one from um, – from our recent past because we've only been doing this podcast less than a year but was it one at your house did we do it at your house uh i don't know where it was recorded Hmm. actually probably because they were all recorded there or at mount harmony before yeah that's right yeah Yeah. doesn't matter join us next week uh you'll see it pop up on your facebook feed or on apple apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcasts Uh, we're going to show you that um dive back into the archives for our greatest hits next week have a great holiday thanks for joining us today if you're looking for a church we'd love for you to come check out northview church here in kodak 340 west dumplin valley road right across the street from the optimus park in downtown the heart of kodak Kodak. yeah whatever uh (laughs) anyways we'd love to for you to come join us and if you can't be here in person if you don't live in this community you can always join us online at 10 30 a.m every sunday for live stream on facebook of our service thanks for being here we look forward to seeing you soon thanks